Welcome back, everybody, to the Modern Dandies Guide to Manliness. Uh, wonderful to be here with everybody. Uh, I am Wes. I am joined by Liam. Hello. Our good friend Josh. And introducing Mudcat. How you doing? Welcome, Mudcat. Thank you for joining us. So we were talking uh, on the last episode about uh, the idea of fit being the foundation of style. Uh, we got off to a wonderful conversation on footwear, and we realized that we had so much more to talk about with style, with fashion choices, and, and how that can be really centered around this idea of fit. So we want to continue, and we're going to make this Fit is the Foundation of Style Part 2. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and dive right into it, because uh, there's, there's obviously much more than, than footwear, and uh, the topic that I think was really driving it to want to continue this conversation was that idea where you can't just go in, get a size, and then have that be the end all, be all, that there's different brands and there's different uh, types. And I think that really expands much further beyond that. Um, does anyone want to kind of jump in along those lines? Josh, maybe? Sure, I, I'm happy to start with that. Um, I think one of the, and, and I, I'm trying to avoid doing what we did yesterday where we spent the whole time talking about one item of clothing. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, I have a really hard time buying shirts. Um, I've got sort of broad shoulders and long arms. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you go to the store and get a small, medium, large, you know, I'm going to end up with basically a three-quarter length shirt most <laughs> of the time, which is, does not fit. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've actually started getting custom shirts, which okay. is, you know, not necessary for, for most people. Right. But, but it, it feels damn good to show up and be measured and, and Absolutely. have them keep, you know, your your body on, on file so they can just, you know, whip up another one when you pick out the fabric. Absolutely. No, I, I am in a similar boat where I have uh, longer arms and it's generally, a, you know, like wearing floods on my, my arms mm. uh, where the, the shirt is just coming so far back up. So yeah, I, I feel your pain or just the ability to reach up or out and still be comfortable. So I, I hear you there. I think as your body changes over time, you'll have to find different fits. Right. You know, I went from being you know, triangle-shaped athlete where everything looked like the billowing sails of a Spanish armada whenever I put a shirt on because I had this athletic, you know, 30, 38-40-inch chest. I had a 27-inch waist. And just anything when I was at school just looked awful because the <laughs> fabric just, just billowed. Right. And, you know, so it's like, great, you know, I, seriously, I looked way better naked than I did with clothes on. And there are some photos of that, but we're not going to post those on the internet. Um, we're getting away from this kind of behavior, tough, but Anyway, <laughs> coming, coming back from it, and over time, uh, you know, over the next following 30-odd years, as, as I've, my body has changed and so forth, I've really had to keep an eye on, on fit. Mm -hmm. I like the, the bespoke. The custom shirts definitely are a great way to go if you have to look professional they feel great yeah. you feel good in them the tailors know what measurements you need so you don't have to try and worry about it mm -hmm. at the same time you don't always have to do that it's certainly not where i started right. it was actually finding <clears throat> shirt makers whose dummies same with suit jackets and so forth whose dummies fitted my body right when i was in london and and progressing in my career and had to really up my dressing game i would went into all these fancy places in in london and a bunch of them just turned around and said no we don't fit you 
and they actually knew that. their fit. They wouldn't sell me clothes. Right. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, I had to find others uh, that uh, that did, that fitted the typical you know, physique that you get from being a former military, former rugby playing, right. you know, 30-year-old, which is different to a lot of what the non-people in that domain right. have. Yes, absolutely. And, and honestly, uh, I, we're kind of circling around this. It's in order to figure all these things out, you've really got to get out to the stores. Mudcat, would you agree? Yeah, there's no substitute for spending a day in a shopping mall, right? And you don't have to go to Nordstrom's, you don't have to go to Saks, right. but like hit your Macy's, hit your Dillard's and find places where they'll let you try on five brands of shirts mm-hmm. and really see what works for you. If you don't want to go the made to measure route. Right. I've been doing made to measure since I've had professional jobs for all the reasons that Josh and Liam have said, there's so many good made-to-measure options. They are cheap. If you're paying 40 bucks for a shirt at Macy's, you can buy that same shirt made-to-measure to fit you for the same $40. Yeah. It's, yes. So if you have that option, do it. But no, there's no time. There's no substitute for the time spent in the store. Yeah, absolutely. I had a, a great experience finally getting out into to New York City and, and going suit shopping and having some fun with that where I went to, now here's a, okay, quick aside. Bonobos or bonobos? <laughs> bonobos. bonobos. Exactly. Now the story, the story I got going into the shop was that the creators, the founders of that company were down there uh, in South America, needed a suit really quickly, you know, ordered one, you know, just from a tailor and all that sort of thing. Came back, decided to kind of create this company and, and named it after the primate however he just mispronounced it but because it's his company or was no i have decided it's bonobos and so that's the story i heard but anyway quick aside the point was i went into the shop and while that is sort of a made to measure type of environment what i really found was that it wasn't so much that they were tailoring a suit for you it was more for me, a tall, slim fit. This is—they were just producing that mm. type of clothing, which is Liam. I think what you were yeah. talking about, and to be able to go into that shop, it wasn't quite off the rack, but at the same time, it was tailored. It was being created to fit my body type. Yeah, the, the basic framework that they're using fitted your type. Right. And going back to Josh's point, so I had a bunch of shirts and things I'd picked up over the years. Remember when we first became friends? Mm. And I realized that what I'd just been doing is curating a wardrobe for Wes. <laughs> yeah. Because these things <laughs> fitted me around the chest, but had big, long, flappy arms. So we're going to take significant tailoring. But Wes put them on and went, oh, I like this. It's like, a, <laughs> damn it, he looks so much better in that than I did. So I just packed up a bunch of clothes and gave them to Wes and says, here, you know, I've just curated these for the last five years. You know, go at it. Um, and there was, a, there was a case in point. I liked everything about the shirt, but the fit was wrong. Right. Other things that I, I wanted... You know, the, wait, the famous Armani jacket that I have, <laughs> where the the tailor had to, this is no exaggeration, literally deconstruct the complete jacket right. and re, re-sew it all back together with all the Armani labels to get it to fit my shape. I am not Armani shaped. Really? Um, I'm Canali shaped, however. Canali <laughs> suits. Canali suits are fantastic. Yeah. If you're if you're broader across the shoulders and the hips and a bit broader across the belly and you want some really great Italian styles and, mm. and fabrics, the, then Canali is a great starting point for a, for a suit. Excellent. Good tip. Good you have us as that well too, especially if you have the long arms. Yeah. Yep. 
the, the, that, that Germanic thing. And if you're the taller, slimmer type, mm-hmm. uh, if you can find them, Strelsons from Scandinavia, very good. But again, shop around. You find these things by, by going out and exploring. And it's fun. I think, I think we were talking about it you know, over drinks last night. People, men, mm-hmm. don't see shopping as being a manly pursuit or they find it off-putting or, or a chore. Uh, and it's not. It's, it's an adventure. It's, it's, right. it's, it's hunting. In its, <laughs> in its most sartorial definition. How masculine us dandies really are. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, honestly, Just because we're dandies doesn't mean we can't fight. Um, <laughs> it's the, uh, the experience of it. It's a bonding ritual as well to, to kind of go out uh, and find these pieces that are going to add to your ability to express, to do it well. We don't always have to just go to bars and get drunk, although that's fun. We, uh, we can go to fine tailors and get drunk, which is, a, yes. which is a definite plus. And increasingly a thing that you can do. Yeah, yes. most of your, your fine menswear shops now serve bourbon. There's a lot of Bushmills being passed out, a lot of Irish whiskey, a lot of bourbon. This is true. Same with barbers, which is a, is a fine thing. So, Amen. Absolutely. And uh, particularly, so Mudcat introduced me to, uh, to uh, the, my favorite barber, certainly, which is, is Aiden Gill in New Orleans. And the first thing they do when you walk in is is give you your give you your glass of whiskey or your beer, depending on how you're feeling, mm-hmm. and kick it off. And, and the same with with uh, Rubenstein's, the the men's store. Yeah, exactly. Rubenstein's in New Orleans is a great one. Where like you walk in the door, hi, you're here for a while, have a drink. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> but that thing where like the liquor in the barber shop, it's in all of the cities that I love. There's a place that's doing that in Nashville. Uh, it's called Scouts. Right, they meet you at the door with a beer or a shot of whiskey. In Austin, it's Roosters. Peoples um, in San Francisco. Yeah, Peoples in San Francisco does that. Um, it, I love that trend. All right, come in, have a drink. We're gonna hang out. Yeah, and, and you're gonna walk out two hours later feeling like a different person. I mean, if you do the the real Aiden Gill experience oh, with the shave and all that, it's mm. absolutely a two hour commitment. Yeah, it's like yeah, five. Five hot towels and two cold towels, and it's just, oh, it's just magic. Anyway, so but good. moving yeah. back, shaved at the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing I'm going to throw this out there as a as a as a as a lead. I think that for for a lot of times, going shopping with your male friends is a much better experience than going shopping with the ladies in your life. Mm-hmm. I think your male friends are going to tend to be way more constructively critical, okay. uh, and are not going to play dress up with you okay uh so i'm gonna throw that out there as well, a i'll take the other shot of that all right because you know in, in the the big cacophony of my social life there are like eight people that i would trust for fashion <laughs> among my men and friends. three of them are sitting here exactly. <laughs> so you know like the the impulse to fashion is not as deeply embedded in my male friends as it is the women Agreed. Um, and yep. women shop with their other women friends, so you know they're sensitive to things like the comments. And you know, if you and I were to go shopping, I, you're going to walk out in your Armani suit, and I'm going to be like, "Hey, that would be great if you weren't shaped like a beer barrel." And <laughs> right, men would say that to each other. Women are way better tuned into like the I'm actually feeling vulnerable by trying this. Yeah. Um, although, as I mean, some of you know, is that mm-hmm. I, I do actually enjoy shopping <laughs> for my female friends. And taking them out and helping them explore and, and, and dress well. And that's partly because the people that taught me how to dress, many of them were female, both male and female influencers, 
a lot of it comes through from my mm-hmm. time in my time in London, which was my formative style years, you know, the, through the mid '90s to the mid 2000s. And you know, London in and of itself, I think, has a lot more style confidence than you tend to see yeah. in many places. Well, that's if you've got formative time in, and, and I would say it's London, New York, and LA with a little different twist. Where people are thinking about style, they're thinking about fashion, it's something that's part of the culture. If you're growing up in Louisville, right, like Dillard's is the best thing you got, yep. you're not having that same broad exposure. All right. I- However, I think one of the things I like about the U.S., though, is that many places do have good clothes and you can dress well. And they have slightly uniquely different styles. We were talking about hipsters and one thing I like about the whole hipsterism uh, is that focus on attention to detail. But hipsters look different in San Francisco, in Boston, Mm -hmm. in New Orleans. Oh, very much so. I saw like all the the swamp hipsters down there or bayou hipsters down there in New Orleans. And it's what I like about and always continue to like about the hipsterism is that they... They, they take a general theme, but they're making it very local. And, and that's, a, I think, a good place if, if people are looking to explore style and fit mm-hmm. and fashion. Go have a look at your hipsters because their shit fits most of the time. Yeah. So this is an argument that the fashion editors at Esquire have been making for about three years, which is hipster's not a lifestyle. It's simply a commitment to fashion. It's yeah. people who are picking an aesthetic. Hmm. All right. Yep. And yeah. you and I talk about this in the construction of identity and picking an aesthetic. And, you know, hipsters just choose, right? I'm going to be blue-collar hipster. In Nashville, mm-hmm. we have a lot of blue-collar hipsters. Um, like, a lot of denim and beard look. The Josh is happy with this. Yeah. <laughs> Josh fits right in. The, you know, in D.C., right, it's a little more colorful. It's a little more, like, you know, kind of influenced by what I think of, like, as the Baltimore punk scene. is like yeah. your hipster scene. And, you know, San Francisco, a lot of it is the... I mean, there's some of the sort of the lumberjacky things, but most of it is more like 40s bar-inspired kind mm-hmm. of... Yeah, a lot of suspenders, yeah. a lot of suspenders and mustache wax. Mustache wax and those mm-hmm. kind of things. Um, the rockabilly thing was big for a while and sort of carried over a bit. Yeah. Um, the, uh, what was that movie? We'll be back after this break. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. This is, this Which is, guy Richie movie was this? Running on smoking barrels and the snatch. No, it was the uh, the the one where John Favreau goes to Vegas, uh, like his first movie. Not made. No, uh, no. not rollers. Um, uh, swingers. 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 That, that's the one. Yeah. Everyone in their car is it's swagger. <laughs> right. <laughs> Come so on, by man. the way, uh, in terms of dress, don't take any fashion tips from that movie whatsoever. Oh, oh. Dress awfully. No, but <laughs> unless that's but who at you a are. time at that time, <laughs> right? That kicked off sort of like the the mid to late '90s swing thing, mm-hmm. yeah. And that fashion, and that was a conscious choice that people were making. That was more oh. the point that I was going for. We should not still be dressing that way, unless you choose to, I mean, to make that your thing. My, and if you do, make sure things fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, yeah. my favorite karaoke song is, is Zoot Suit Right, right? It is mm-hmm. right out of that era because the minute you put that on, like, the DJ goes, and then we hit the and the entire bar just lifts off the floor, right? Like, there's like don't discount the swing era. Right? No, no. I'm just saying, if you want to look au courant, you know, 
1992 might not be your, your reference. Yeah, I don't even know what modern style looks like. Right? Like, if you were to say, like, what's fashionable right now? Mm. And I say that getting the magazines. Mm. Right? I mean, I know we're a little down on wide lapels right now. We're a little forward on skinny ties. Mm. But if you were to say, like, you know, here in, in the era of 2019, Q1, 2019, what are we looking for? Like, what's modern? I don't really know, like, because I see people, like, I'm still seeing braces, I'm seeing people pick up a lot of stuff off a lot of trends, well, and look fashionable doing it. And I, I love the fact, for example, that, you know, three-piece suits are back. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, you love that. I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm down with that. I've been I'm, waiting I'm, for this. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm down with the braces coming back and, and so on. You know, I always like the good shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think you know, men's feet should look slim and attractive and... and uh, you know, not not chunked up like a like like you got springboards on the bottom of your feet. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a. I think you're right though. There is a real element of, and this is the difference between fashion and style. There's things that are fashionable that are not stylish. Stylish things tend to remain stylish. A fashionable thing tends to have a a lifespan that can be either measured in minutes or never. It's, it's really the variety. It was actually never very good. You guys for three years. No, but we are seeing a lot more individualism now, and, and you know, I think we can all look to you know that late '80s Gordon Gecko. Like, what what was what was style? What was fashion then? Was the, you know the pinstripe suit and the yellow tie and the light blue shirt with the white collar and the the bar across the. Liam wore a contrast collar the other night, and it was super into it. <laughs> 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 right. But it works for Liam, and it, yes. because it fit. Right. But it's not. We're not at a point where there's like, oh, this is the, the 1980s power suit. This no. is you know the the big shoulder pads of you know the lady. Can you imagine me with shoulder pads though? That's like this is not a good look for me. You look like a linebacker. <laughs> my my head looks like it's like a tiny thing. Exactly, I look like a linebacker. And and it, it's... but secretly I love a shoulder pad. That's because you but don't just shoulders, a, oh, Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just even to accentuate, like going a little bit too far with it. That, that's really what I like. Just, uh, again, not, not peacocking, but taking not just accents as a pocket square, but just one of the things we like, I think we all talked about uh, the Indochino, is just sort of picking the thread for the buttonhole. Oh, like, yeah. All oh, these yeah. tiny, little, tiny little details that you can use, again, chasing the individualism, chasing that self-expression, just make sure it fits good. And while still being appropriate for the occasion. Right. Now that's where I start to Yeah, and, and so I've got Mudcats here now. I I worry about that, you know, oh is, is this appropriate? Is it not appropriate? And we're talking about fashion and style choices, hmm. not pictures of Liam naked appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Always appropriate in certain circumstances. Uh, uh, but that's one that, person. <laughs> that's appropriate. That's, that's that, uh, that difficult line, which is like, great, if we're going into a business meeting, what is that appropriate level of individualism? How far can you really start to push that out? And I guess it depends on what you're doing and who you're meeting with. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think we, we talked about in the previous episode, you know, fit to me is, is three things. There's fitness in your body. There is the comfort and health of your body that, that comes through. There is the fit of the clothes on your body. And there is the fit to the occasion or the situation. Mm-hmm. And... Again, back, back when I was a management consultant, I had clients in all sorts of different industries. I literally had outfits, selections of suits and other things that fitted those industries. You did mm. not wear the same suit that I would wear to someone in the city of London, big bank doing you know, financial stuff. Mm. 
that I would wear to a government agency, you know, working in you know, the environment and agriculture, or even to say a, a regional government or to, to a, you know, a, a mid-sized manufacturer or a power company or a utility. The interesting thing there is I had to look just better enough that they were prepared to go, he's worth the money he's paying because mm -hmm. no, you don't look, look like them, but you can't be so out of whack that it's discordant for them to be able to build a relationship yeah. with you. That's, yeah, that's a good point there. And it's an exploration of, are you dressing down, how do I phrase this? Are you dressing down in, I'm not coming up with the right words, belittlement? So, no, it's not so, belittlement. So I'd say, I'd say the, the, the language of dressing down is pejorative. Right. You're dressing I mean, yeah. to, to fit the situation, to make the other person comfortable. That's what I want to get to. So, and, <clears throat> you want to know where the best block of text about this is at, and it hurts my heart to say this, in The Art of the Deal, Donald Trump's book, there's a, a passage on dressing for deal-making, as he puts it, but to to respect the culture and the conventions of the places where you're going to do business. There, there's, you know, five, six paragraphs about how to, what it, it actually comes down to how not, to respectfully well, dress but this for is, the this, places that, you're, that you're going to do business. This is the point I want to bring up, and I'm glad that you used that as an example, because I think that's where there's misconception of you're doing that to tr with an agenda to try and get one over on someone. Like you're putting on a costume in order to gain up on somebody to trick them into doing a deal. And what Liam's point out and what I'm trying to make sure the audience is getting a clarification on is that it's not. It's being good and doing good and it's your conscious... It's the respectfulness. ...of yeah. the other party and that you can still be yourself. You can still express yourself. But you have to take into consideration those you are interacting with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all contain multitudes, mm -hmm. right? If if you're going to, to do work in Mississippi, in which I do, yeah, the canalies, it doesn't work, right? Like everybody feels bad about it, right? But yeah, being able to go in in you know a nice patterned dress shirt, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. something plaid with a simple blue blazer over it, right? You can still be stylish. You can still be, you know, mm. committed to, exactly. to your values to mm. fit and finish while also at least making an attempt to look like the people that you're going to be doing business with. Yeah. So I, was, I have a slightly different take on that that I, I've developed really in the last couple of years as I've been growing my own business, which is, well, yes, I think there is a level of respectfulness that comes with dressing appropriately for such a situation. You know, if someone is gonna, you know, feel uncomfortable because you're wearing a plaid shirt, that person's probably gonna be uncomfortable with the work you're doing. That's, now that is a luxury I have as a business owner versus, you know, an employee and of being in a more creative industry versus sure. banking, mm -hmm. right? But you know, if, you know, it used to be the story that, you know, at IBM you had to wear, you know, the, the white button down short sleeve yep. in the summer and the white button down lunch, mm -hmm. right? that's not going to be a good environment for me. And if that's what someone requires of me, that is not a good fit for me. Mm. And, and certainly when I was in London, I'm, I'm using this because it was so interesting. We went through exactly that. Is that you know, when I first got into management consulting, suits were two colors. They were gray, a dark gray or a navy blue. Shirts were two colors. They were white or blue. 
And then over the course of the five years that I was, I was doing that, that, that all changed. There was all, you know, there was all the dot-com stuff happens and so forth. Uh, well, also the perceptions changed. It's like at one point, one of the, the, the more influential people in, in the practice that I was in had been told that he needed to, to soften his approach somewhat. So he was even, even, even more of a bull in a china shop than I was at, at getting things done. Uh, and, and HR suggested to him that he might want to, to start wearing pink shirts, pink coloured shirts, because they might you know, soften his presence a little bit. He didn't change any of his behaviour, he just started wearing pink shirts, which is, of course, <laughs> a lesson that I took away from that, which is fine. And I actually love pink as a colour for men. I think it's a strong colour, I think it goes with a lot of things, makes a statement, and in many cases, it, it does actually help to, to soften that, uh, that appearance, even if your behaviour belies the soft and cuddliness of the pink shirt. Yes, yes. I just want to share an example of, of me trying to explore this, this idea of, of appropriateness. I was just at a trade show in Amsterdam and I was there to seek out uh, new technologies. So I was actually there exploring as opposed to uh, uh, a salesperson. And that gave me a lot more freedom. One, I didn't have to wear the booth uniform to match everybody else and uh, to kind of give that unison feel. So I got to go out and I got to pick what I wanted to wear. And so it was this decision of, all right, well, I'm going to, on the first couple of days, do something pretty traditional and so forth and just a you know two-piece suit you know shirts shoes all that but then on the last day I was like you know what it's the last day everybody's gonna be t- everyone I talk to is gonna be tired I'm coming back for second third conversations I want them to know who I am because if I'm talking to them for the third time it's probably going well so I wore my pink bonobos suit which I love makes a huge statement it's and I got a hugely positive reaction to just people relaxing Mm. You could just see their attitude change, you know, the smiles coming out and, and it was uh, it was not insulting to anybody. Mm. They didn't feel that I was not taking them seriously. Wow, it was a horrible triple negative. <laughs> <laughs> they, they felt comfortable around me and, and it was this uh, real moment where I felt great because I made a choice about what, how I wanted to present myself in this very high level role of seeking out technologies that I might bring to the United States. And it was a blast. So I encourage, I, I encourage folks at home to kind of take these conversations to heart that you uh, can yeah, I have think, that I confidence. Think, I think that's right. And you know, there's a flip side to that as well, which is even if everyone around you in the culture is badly dressed. Mm-hmm. When I first moved out to San Francisco in the software <laughs> company I worked for, you know, college hoodies, Walmart jeans, nothing against Walmart, fine company. They own badly fitting. They do own both. <laughs> uh, badly fitting jeans and and running shoes was the du jour dress standard for for males. Mm-hmm. And I tried to fit in for a little bit, but it wasn't me. Right. And and you can even find good fitting t-shirts. People have to understand that you can find t-shirts that fit. You have to get the right fit around your know, mid bicep. Yeah. You know, around the shoulders. Make sure that they fall. Find something with a nice fabric. It makes the difference between you and a schlub. So I started just upping it and then started wearing sports coats and then the famous story started wearing pocket squares and mm-hmm. those kind of things. I was progressing within the company as well, yes. but I, ref- I, was, I just refused to dress down. In fact, I think along the way, I'd, along with some other people who decided to do the same thing, we drew a lot of people up by showing through our increasing leadership roles that mm-hmm. being a schlub was not necessary to just fit in. Right. Well said. Well said. 
I want to give some takeaways, some, some tips. And Liam, you touched upon something that I've been holding back on, but you brought it up. I want to talk about t-shirts. Uh, so let's just leave people with some good tips. Where can you go find good fitting t-shirts? Any, any tips or suggestions, me included, because... I'll, I'll, I'll start because there's, there's two. I have a lot from Express. Okay. I, I find Express fits me well. They have some interesting fabrics. Um, with my body shape, I like a longer t-shirt so mm -hmm. that it doesn't ride up over my belly. Yeah. Um, not a good look. And, and I, I think they fit well around the arms. The other ones is the one I'm wearing now, which is Madewell. Okay. Can't remember who they're a brand of. Uh, I'm actually wearing both Madewell jeans and, and t-shirts because they fit really nicely and the fabrics are really good. Mm -hmm. uh, gentlemen, any other? So, I actually never wear t-shirts. Okay. Like if I leave my house, I'm wearing a, a collared shirt. There are two exceptions to this. One, like my, you know, underwear slash gym t-shirts. Okay. Uh, and I'm, I'm a real believer in the classic Haynes V-neck. Okay. Um, two, if you're going to wear a graphic tee under a blazer. Oh, uh, yeah. And again, I'm not talking about graphic tees. Mm. <laughs> just basics. And I'm talking just, about yeah. like, just the plain basics in, in colors. Right. Um, and Sorry to cut you off, my camera. That's all right. Yeah, so, so, uh, I, I like black tees. They're, I think they're, they're generally flattering. Like just a plain black t-shirt, very flexible, solid piece of menswear. And then I tend to go with earth tones. I like or metals and earth tones. So grays, mm -hmm. charcoal grays, olive greens those kind of things my skin tones olive-ish so that tends to to go better okay um, yeah i'm real alabaster so i get gray black blue and that's really about yeah. it um and the exception to the graphic t-shirt rule is the black t-shirt um i take a lot of my style inspiration from the californication character hank moody who is oh, no. a, a giant <laughs> believer in the black t-shirt but again like I'm not buying, you know, a $60 Gucci t-shirt. No. Hanes, they come in a three-pack. Right? $12, <laughs> you get them from Amazon. Josh, any thoughts? Any I, tips? I also don't wear a lot of t-shirts, largely because I often don't find them that fit me all that well. You know, the Gap Classic is, is classic mm -hmm. for a reason. I mean, it, yeah. it, it always fits the same. Uh, you know, they don't, they don't change that, that cut very often. Right. It's eight, nine bucks. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can get a, a variety of colors. You don't have to go fancy. Yeah, no, and it's it's that uh, it's that weekend, you know, or it's that I'm on vacation. You know, you can, you can take away the the collared shirt. I myself, uh, for a long time, was just not paying any attention to this at all. I jumped in with American Apparel. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if they're a company still. I see all their shops closing down, but you can still get them. I haven't seen their ads <laughs> in a while. Yeah, I miss those but ads. I think they still exist <laughs> in spite of themselves. I was actually a big fan of American Apparel too, because when you talked, when you go to the American Apparel store, they would mm -hmm. actually talk to you about yes. fit, finish, and t-shirts, yep. right? Um, and the stuff that you're talking about, but just the you know variety of ways you can mm -hmm. fit yeah. in a t-shirt, and I was a big fan of that. Um, also, Express, you're right. I do like the, my favorite thing about Express, and this is absolutely true in the t-shirts, is they have all of those like fantastic super soft microfabrics. Yep. Mm. All right, and those t-shirts live about a year for me. All right, like you know, you wear them once a week and you throw them in the laundry every week, and they just go to pieces. But <laughs> I, I do have, uh, yeah, I go through those. Like, same with the Hanes. They, they they almost become a disposable item, which is yeah. terrible for the environment, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, hey, I, I also have the the higher quality t-shirts, 
And there are t-shirts that actually start getting better the longer you wear them up until the point where they literally fall apart. So I saw this thing. I don't have like a big historical wardrobe, right? Like I've, I've moved around a lot, I lose a lot of shit. Mm. And yeah, I was thinking about like, yo, I don't have a t-shirt from college. I don't have, you know, like all of the places and times and things that have been. And if I wanted to go and, you know, kind of recreate what, you know, it would be like to have a t-shirt that was 25 years old, then, you know, what would that look like, right? If I wanted to go buy a new college t-shirt and make it look like it, like I've had it for a while, what would you do? And there's all sorts of techniques and blogs and like a thousand YouTube videos about distressing t-shirts and like you can brine them, you can put them in the laundry, in, in the dryer with a sneaker. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, just all sorts of ways to like make t-shirts. I, I have this really radical approach of just like wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> call me, call me out there on the on the edge. But uh, uh, again, to me, you can tell it's the quality of the fabric is that if it starts shrinking the first time you wash it, if it starts getting baggy and, and stretching out in all the wrong angles, you know, if the if the seams start coming undone or they start puckering up, that's going to look terrible. And if you are trying to impress anyone, if you're going on a date, even if, you, if, if you're going to the supermarket to try and pick up a date, whatever you're trying to do is that if your clothing doesn't fit, if your clothing doesn't look right, you won't make a good impression. You know, there, there is, you know, mm -hmm. yep. I think people underestimate it. I think men in particular tend to underestimate how much appearance counts before you even open your mouth. Yeah. So here's a tip for everybody then. If, if grab a buddy, go out to the mall. Have fun. Have some fun. Try some shit on. And really go explore. Uh, find something that's going to fit for you. Have a blast while you're doing it. Have a drink. Be respectful of others. And uh, always come back and listen to the next The Modern Dandy's Guide to Manliness. Thank you everyone for, for joining. Uh, we'll close out, I think, because we were talking about t-shirts. Liam, what are you wearing? Madewell, mentioned it before, worth trying. Mudcat. An Incubus t-shirt from 1997. I love that band. Josh? This is actually a Philadelphia t-shirt from a Commonwealth proper who is my custom shirt maker. Custom shirt maker? It is maker. not a custom t-shirt. Oh. <laughs> but it is, it, that is the brand I, I use for my Oh, okay, shirt. wonderful, wonderful. Uh, and then underneath my rag and bone sweater, I've got on an American Apparel deep V-neck. And I'm thinking about changing that, though. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you.